Good morning, St. Michael's. Will you please stand? Lord, we are so grateful to be invited into your house this morning. We just pray that we can lift our voices to you, that these songs be dedicated to you. This liturgy, everything we do, just reflects how much you love us and how much we want to serve you, God. Jesus name.
Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven for the sanctity of all human life. You have said that your kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Where there is unrighteousness, let righteousness come to bear. Where there is hostility, cause your peace to reign supreme. And where there is sorrow, bring joy in the hearts of people. Lead us into your unshakable and everlasting kingdom, in which you reign forever and ever, that truly the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If the children will come forward, we will pray for them before they head out to Cindy School, Sunday School. Good to see you. A mighty army assembles. <laughs> Squeeze around here. Come around here. See over here. This is good. We're on this side. You guys have all passed through that gate. There we go. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> there we go. Reach out your hands and pray with me as we bless these children. Heavenly Father, we are grateful always for these young children that you've put into our lives and our family. Lord, I pray that you would watch over them always, every day of their life, that you would fill them, Lord God, with your wisdom, with your courage, and bless them every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, buddy. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles of far away, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob, and ransomed him for the hand of one stranger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming the goodness of the Lord, for wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and the herd. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and, and the old together. For I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them, and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentations and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children, because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, refrain from your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. The word of the Lord. Thanks be God. Today's psalm is Psalm 10. Uh, you can respond by the asterisk. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? 
Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. For the wicked boast of his heart's desire. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. He has said in his heart, His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. So he crouches, he lies low. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This morning's second lesson comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, beginning at verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel.
as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're reading from Matthew's gospel, beginning at chapter 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Take down our walls and encounter us 
with your grace, your compassion, your love, and the truth that sets us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today is a really important and special feast day in our church, specifically in our denomination. Um, We were founded on the principles of the sanctity of life. For a lot of people maybe who aren't familiar with our history, that was always central at our church. That God made man imbued with worth. Made man in his image. Men, women, babies, unborn babies, all the way until the moment that you pass away and become eternally united with him. That is the plan for humanity. And there is no break in value between people. In fact, if you look around the world, the greatest gift that Jesus gave us, I believe, philosophically, intellectually, theologically, is that every one of you is valuable. That you cannot look at anyone in the entire world and take away their human dignity, their sanctity, and all that that entails. And so when we talk about the feast of our Lord, the giver of life, we recognize that. And how fitting is it, how awesome is it that this day we get to have a baptism where we acknowledge the dignity of that baby and we welcome them into the kingdom of our God. It's just such a blessed day to be a part of this church. And I'm so happy to see all of you coming, especially those who are coming specifically to celebrate that moment. I think it's um, it's a witness to a world that is obsessed with measuring value by every other standard. Whether you have money or you're efficient or you're contributing to society or you're smart, there's so many ways that the world values people. Instead, when you walk in this door, no matter who you are, you are valuable because you are human, made in the image of God. And that baby has just as much value as Einstein or any number of great people because that baby, he is made in the image of God. Amen. Amen. And so when we talk about this message this morning, I'm going to be speaking about faith. And I just want you to know that every single one of you is invited into that. There is no distinction in Christ. You are all invited to participate. Because what faith does and what faith calls us to do is to live in God's kingdom and to see things from his perspective and not get caught in the world that is telling you how much you cannot do and how much you are not worthy of. Instead, we're living today in God's kingdom and faith is what unlocks that for us. So we're going to start with a passage in Hebrews as we talk about faith. And today we're talking about the enemies of our faith, particularly. And maybe in your mind you've actually heard that phrase. In fact, I've seen it written. I've heard people talk about the enemies of the faith. Those wicked and evil atheists. Oh, no. Or those wicked and evil Muslims. Or those wicked and evil people who are different than us. The enemies of our faith. But I just got finished telling you how the feast of our Lord, the giver of life, we talk about the value of every human being. And just to tell you, the enemies of your faith are a lot closer than you think. The enemies of our faith are in our own hearts. Our fears, our doubts, our misplaced desires, the things that hold us back from everything God wants to give us. 
If you're finding all your enemies out there, you need to stop and take a look in the mirror. Because that's not the world that Jesus invites us into. Jesus says, pray for your enemies and bless those who persecute you. You can only do that if you're really good at defeating the enemies in your own heart. The ones that build up cases against the people that make you angry. The ones that have all this list of reasons why you're a victim and those people are bad. It's like, no, actually, everyone is invited into God's kingdom. Because he came and not only... I mean, you just think about how opposite the mindset is. Jesus came and he smote all the enemies of God. Yes. But who were the enemies of God? Doubt, fear, unbelief, envy, strife. And he took all those things and he accepted the cross. Where you might have argued the Roman Empire was one of the greatest enemies of the church. The enemies of the faith ever. And yet when they crucified Jesus our Lord, he said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's faith. That's seeing the world God's way. Because if you see the world my way, it's God smite those evil people. And yet Jesus invites us into something better. So as we read this paragraph, it just was stirring in me. It's like the great movie, like Remember the Titans or Rudy or all these sports films where there's that great moment where the coach comes out and just gives this speech And it just rouses their soul. Now, maybe I'm exposing how much of a nerd I am, but this passage in Scripture does that for me. And I hope this morning you open your ears and eyes and you you see this passage and you're inspired. Because this is what it means to live by faith. We're actually in the chapter that's titled The Hall of Faith. And uh, the writer of Hebrews has gone through a catalog of all these great heroes who live by faith. And he ends this passage with... Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured. They refused to accept release so that they may ri- might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. There is a lot in there, but I want to be like those people, right? I want to be conquering for the kingdom of God. I want to be stopping the mouths of lions. I want to be walking around. This sounds like a superhero list. I want to be a superhero. The crazy part is that the writer of Hebrews gives us this list to invite you to be like them. Not to say those are the really important people in the faith. You guys, as long as you hold on, you'll be okay. No, to say come be like these 
people. And in fact, the writer of Hebrews is speaking to people who themselves were being enchained and imprisoned for their faith. He's reminding them that if you hold on, if you trust, if you see through the lens of faith, there's nothing that you cannot face. So what is faith? Maybe you're sitting there and you've heard that phrase thrown around quite a bit and you're wondering, what is it? Well, last week we talked about the equation of faith is hear and obey. It's really actually not about being charismatic or winsome or the hero that everybody says, man, look at him preach so good or look at him do all those things for Jesus. He must be a hero of faith. It's so simple. It's when God tells you to do something, you do it. When you see something in the scripture that speaks to your heart, you follow the spirit as he leads you. That's what hearing and obeying is. And in the beginning of that chapter that ended with that great rousing speech, uh, the writer of Hebrew tells us, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And as he concludes the hall of faith, he gives us the greatest example of faith in action that we've ever had. And we jump in in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you're wondering, how does this look? What is hear and obey versus this whole the assurance of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen? What does this all mean? Well, there's a great example right here in Hebrews 12. Verses 1 and 2. So he just ended talking about all the great heroes of our faith. And he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, who is he? He's the founder and perfecter of our faith. So what did he do? He's, he's, he, he's a really intelligent writer. He's like, he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now here's what it means to be the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's make it really simple. What faith looks like is trusting God enough to endure the cross. It's that Jesus, even though God told him, and we see it in the garden, he says, God, I know you told me your plan is for me to be betrayed by all my friends and crucified by the Romans and condemned by the religious people I came to save. Is there any other way? That doesn't sound so good, God. And God didn't let him off the hook because he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That is faith. It's doing the thing, even though it doesn't look good, doesn't feel good, doesn't sound good. But why did he do it? Because he trusted that God would raise him from the dead, save the world, and exalt him to the highest place for the joy that was set before him. Let me clarify that a little bit more. He did it because he had joy at the end of that cross. What was the joy at the end of the cross? It's all of us. Why did Jesus die for us? For the joy of inviting you into eternal fellowship with him. Why are we baptizing this baby? Because this baby is Christ's joy. And we're inviting this baby into that 
salvation, that kingdom that was purchased on the cross. So when we look at Jesus' faith, he heard God, he obeyed, it didn't feel good, it wasn't a pleasant experience. In fact, the torture is hard to imagine. And yet, he did it because he had assurance of the thing he hoped for. He had assurance, he had hope, he had faith that God would raise him up. Okay, so I told you we would be talking about the enemies of our faith. How do you have faith like Jesus? How do you have faith like the heroes of our faith? How do we do that? How do we hear and obey? Well, there's a couple people who don't want you. Let me say it this way. There's a couple things warring against that in you. The enemy of our faith, right? The devil, the tempter, the accuser wants you to experience destruction and death. That's the goal. The opposite of that is the feast of our Lord, the giver of life. And so the war that's happening inside each of us is between the pull towards death and destruction and the invitation to life and life everlasting. And so when we look at this, there's at least two things that I want to mention this morning. And we don't have time to go in. I mean, if you wanted a list of all the reasons why I haven't had faith, we could be here for hours. And we're just not going to do that. But we are going to talk about a couple of things that I know impacts me, impacts you, impacts us. We're going to look at fear and doubt. We're going to look at fear and doubt. Those are the simple ones. Those are the straightforward ones. And we're going to look at a quick story And I will tell you what comes out of this. In Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him, oh, you might need a little context. (laughs) They're on a boat. It's going to sink. The winds and the waves are tossing them to and fro. And they see what looks like a ghost walking on the water. Find out it's Jesus. You may have heard of this. Jesus walks on water, right? But this is the best part of the story is Peter's response. So he realizes it's Jesus, and he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. What faith? Like he sees a man walking on water, and his first thought is, I want to do that. When two seconds before, they're all scared they're going to die. We're in the middle of a storm. We're not on this. It's not like Lake Placid. You know, it's not just like simple and calm. There's a storm that they thought was going to kill them. And he says, I want to go out there. So first of all, I love that about Peter. And Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. He did a miracle that hasn't been recorded outside of Jesus. So there's two people in the history of the world that we know of that have walked on water. Peter's there. And so you think he's at the top of his faith game. This guy is crushing it. Look at what he's doing. He's walking on water with Jesus. But just like we always get in the scripture, he is more like us than we tend to think. Because immediately, what happens? When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Like, he's walking on water, actively experiencing a miracle. And he still loses faith. Because fear comes in. Because his eyes go away from Jesus to the circumstances, to his surroundings. And of course, Jesus immediately reaches out his hand, takes hold of him and says to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
I'll give you the answer. And Jesus knew the answer, right? He's encouraging. This is a rhetorical question because he was afraid of the waves, the ones that were going to destroy the boat, the wind, the chaos. What faith does is it keeps our eyes on Jesus. What fear does is it pulls our perspective to the problem, to the crisis, to the mountain, to the wind and the waves. Faith keeps us focused on Jesus. I've got one story about this. Uh, Growing up, I struggled a lot with fear. I had some vivid nightmares that I remember to this day. Man, kids have active imaginations, let me tell you. And I was afraid of elevators. I was claustrophobic, let's say that, because any enclosed space was terrifying to me. I mean, I would sob in front of an elevator while my family is going to Ruby's to have a birthday party, and I'm like, I can't do it. I just can't do it, you know? I found the stairs. It worked out. But there was a thing in me that could not enter an elevator. Fear, not faith, I'll tell you that. One day, my grandfather, I'll call him Papu during the story, decided that he had had enough of my fear of elevators. And he was going to help out by taking me to the Mission Viejo Mall. If you've been there, you know they've got a giant glass elevator, so you can kind of see out. And the reward for me riding the elevator was getting to the Wetzel pretzel on the second floor and getting a cinnamon pretzel dipped in caramel sauce. Oh, just delightful. Um, This was a goal for the joy that was set before me. I was going to endure the elevator. But what Papu did that was so smart is he knew two things about fear. First of all, fear is about your perspective. And in an enclosed space, in an elevator, all I could see was the problem, the walls, the doors shutting, the people, the air getting closer. I need to stop talking about it. No, uh, what he did is he took me to this glass elevator because I could see, I could see past the problem. He could see the gears working and the, the second floor was coming closer and closer. I could do that. And secondly, he was with me. He knew that he had to be with me on that elevator because he was like a father figure, my grandfather who I trusted. And that's the secret to overcoming fear. God will give you insight to see if you hear and obey. What often happens is you have this giant problem and God says, take one step. But you have this giant problem. But God says, here, why don't you just do this? Why don't you reach out to your home group leader and get him to pray for you with it? What's that going to do, God? Well, it's going to build your faith because you're hearing and you're obeying. And what the home group leader is going to do is help you to see. Or what your brother or your friend or that pastor that you just met at that church at one time... Maybe that's the step, but maybe the step is something different. It's like, God, I just never have enough money. And God says, why don't you stop buying beer? And you're like, but God, I've done the math. The beer is not the problem. And God says, no, just obey. I have it all for you. Have faith that it's my provision and not yours that counts. And so you do this little simple thing and your perspective changes. You enter the glass elevator and you're able to see beyond your problem. And secondly, to overcome fear, we have to know that God is with us. In fact, the most oft-repeated commandment in the entire Bible is do not be afraid. And the second part of that almost always is for I am with you. God is with you in the elevator. 
He's not on the outside going, ha ha, look at him. No, he's right there with you. And the open elevator allowed me to see. Now, just for the sake of time, we're going to just come right back to doubt. Because I think doubt is the other thing that we struggle with the most. And I'm just going to point out one thing about doubt that I want you to take from here. If you take anything today, I want you to take number one. The problem with fear is that it takes your perspective away. That you see the problem and not God's future. Faith opens your eyes to see not only past the problem, but to see God standing with you. The second thing I want you to take away is about doubt. There's this great story at the beginning of the Bible. Probably the most formative story in the history of the world talking about why the world is the way it is. And it's about God creating Adam and Eve and them rejecting his paradise. And there's one verse I want to point out today. Genesis 3, verse 6. And the devil told her in the form of a serpent, eat that apple or pomegranate or whatever fruit. People have disagreements. Eat that fruit, the forbidden fruit, the thing that God told you not to eat. So the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Let's go back to the first part of this verse. There's one thing I want you to know about doubt. Doubt finds the door to your heart when you act on disordered affections, unruly desires, when you do the thing you know you shouldn't do. Every one of us wants a million things in this world. In fact, if you go on your phone, you can make it a million and one today, I promise. You can stir up desires for all the things, the Amazon thing, that that extra drink of alcohol, that nice car, the recognition at work that I want. But when we put our actions to serve those desires outside of God's will, it allows doubt to come in. Because Eve knew the word of the Lord. If you eat of the tree, you'll die. And yet, because she saw that the tree looked good, she talked herself out of that. She lost her faith. She lost her perspective. Once again, faith is about hearing and obeying, but it's also about seeing. Seeing what's real in the midst of a world that has so many lies and so many temptations. And so if you walk away from this morning and you think, okay, what did I learn today? I know all of you will be taking notes on the ride home, right? Um, No, but really I want to encourage you that there's a secret in this. That when you encounter things that you know that you shouldn't do or shouldn't have, the secret is to ask God what he has for you. Because if Eve could remember the goodness of God, that tree doesn't look so good anymore. Because of her misplaced desire, that doubt crept in, and she lost her faith in the goodness of God. Okay, like I said, we have no more time to do anything else today, except for me to say this last little paragraph for you. Some people sin because they are afraid to do the right thing. Some people sin because they desire the wrong thing. All who live righteously do so by faith. Their faith in God shapes their desires and conquers their fear. Amen? Amen. We'll continue with the baptism, and we're going to invite uh, the baptized, all the family, to join us at the baptismal.
And don't be shy. I know there's a lot of family associated here, but if you want a better view, feel free to come forward and be a part of this. This is a family sacrament here. Come on, you can gather around. There's plenty of space. There's space on this side. You can wait till I go into it until they act. And then it's oil, soul, and candle all at the same time. The last part. Help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ. I will with God's help. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? I do. Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? I do. And do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? I do. To the congregation as well? Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support Ezekiel in his life in Christ? We will. Well, let us join with those who are being coming to salt to Christ and we know our own baptismal. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, and died. He ascended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. 
He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will, with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will, with God's help. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will, with God's help. Let us pray for Ezekiel, who has perceived the sacrament of new birth. Deliver him, O Lord, from the way of sin and death. Lord, hear our prayer. Open his heart to your grace and truth. Lord, hear our prayer. Fill him with your holy and life-giving spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Keep him in faith in the communion of your holy church. Lord, hear our prayer. Teach him to love others in the power of the Spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Send him into the world in witness of your love. Lord, hear our prayer. Bring him to your fullness of peace and glory. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection, and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Just a little bit over here, because i got to put the water. Wait, i got to put the water. Place I'm going to take, take the baby. Okay, so we want to know. There's one too many. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Okay, let's, uh, let's see. Where are we? Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. We thank you. Almighty God, for the gift of water over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation, and through it you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, your son, Jesus, received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin to everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it, we're buried with Christ in his death, and by it, we share in the resurrection. Through it, we're reborn by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your Son, we bring into his fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptize him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now sanctify this water, we pray you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that those who are here cleansed from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit be our honor and glory now and forever. Amen. 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 Okay. Yeah. Let me get them on my honor. There you got them.
There we go. Okay. <laughs> it's normal for them to cry. <laughs> Ezekiel Stewart House, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oil. <laughs> Amen. Good luck with you. <laughs> Ezekiel Stewart, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the water and the Holy Spirit that you bestowed upon this, your servant, the forgiveness of sin and have raised him to a new life of grace. Sustain him, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Give him an inquiring and discerning heart, the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and to love you in the gift of joy and the wonder of all your works. Amen. Here you go. There we go. God appears to take that just fine. Here we go. The priesthood of all believers. Now he has little stoles just like the priest demonstrates with theirs. Amen. Heavenly Father, we receive you into the household of God, confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in the eternal priesthood. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Greet your neighbor, and particularly this wonderful family and this new child. Congratulations. Oh, God. Congratulations. Good job. All right. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Hey, congratulations. Peace of the Lord. Peace of the Lord. <laughs> All right. That went good. Great kids. Always a good sign when the baby doesn't cry and carry on. Yeah. <laughs> that was a there's a real peace in that. Amen. Ezekiel. That takes courage to name your son Ezekiel. You know, we have a special ministry in our church, born out of the denominational heart, born out of the heart of this church to support our pro-life ministries. There are ways that you can give to CEC for Life, either online through our own church's website. Uh, we also have, uh, if, you're, if you're old style, you can do it by paper. There's paper in the back and some prayers we would like, especially our prayer warriors, but all of us to be praying for the unborn and for this ministry all the time. Amen. Anything I'm missing on that one? No, that's great. Yep. Uh, if you go to the website, uh, the option you click is CEC for Life. 
If you want to give another way, like we said, there's cards in the back. But if you're just looking to pray, then there's also special prayers that we're inviting everybody to pray and participate. Youth retreat is coming up. Please pray for our young people and their leaders as they prepare to go off. It is uh, the Thursday after Ash Wednesday. They are going up Mm. into the mountains. And also, if uh, you're able to help young people... Get off and to get up into the mountain to hear the voice of the Lord, a very important ministry. Please do avail yourself of that. I think that's all I know. Amen. Well, let's <laughs> I'm pray. I'm glad to be back. Let me just say one thing. I'm glad to be back. I missed everybody. Last weekend I was in Nebraska where it got up to zero degrees <laughs> and down to 40 below wind chill. Wow. So uh, rain or no rain, thank God I'm back in Southern California. Amen. I miss you. Amen. Let us pray for our tithes and offerings. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Amen.
Our duty, our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord. Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, for today you've revealed the mystery of our salvation in Christ as a light for the nations. And when he appeared in our mortal, in his, in our mortal nature, you made us new by the glory of his immortal nature. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, and he gave you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. And he gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. We humbly pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered in the one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. Remember especially those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body. 
we note this day Susan and Naomi and Sonia and Sandra and Karen, Tammy, Patrick, Bob and Jermaine and Ryan, the Campbell family, the Black family, the House family, Sandy Clintz, the Fisher family, the Johnson family, Jeff, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all those serving in the armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you made us worthy to share eternal life with Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, and with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, Father, who who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who call to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. The body of Christ. The body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The body of Christ. Christ is broken for you. The body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The body of 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 Christ. 
body of Christ. Peace be body of Christ. Body of Christ. The body of Christ. I need you here. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Body of Christ. I confess I've been afraid. Body of Christ. Remind my heart, Lord. Increase my faith. So I will run into the waves as courage comes to take fierce place with perfect love.
It's such a thin, thin veil. And I swear, the last, hasn't always been, but the last few times I've done baptisms, it's like I hear just a joy and a rejoicing, a heavenly rejoicing. And I'll tell you, that is a faith builder right there. I hope by sharing it, it'll... Build your faith as well. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking ruin of our souls. Those up here know I hate these. (laughs) I don't hate them, but... (laughs) The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. Reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against them. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Shadows will fade. Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise, oh, nothing can take my hallelujah, nothing can take my hallelujah, shadows will fade, darkness will break, and I'll keep on singing your praise, oh, what can take away my hallelujah, no darkness rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.